Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. Hey, 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 hey. What's Yo, check, check, three. What's up? We got the whole crew. Everything's working. Yo, Tesco, it's been a minute, man. Yeah. It has been. How you guys doing, man? It's been good. It's been uh, crazy on my side. I Well, this past week for me, I've been feeling hella unmotivated. Like, I had a whole, like, like stretch of, like, yeah, fuck yeah, music. This is going to be awesome. And then this past week, I'm, like, I'm doubting everything about my music and uh-huh. doubting everything about why I'm doing this. I'm so, yeah. Man. Uh-huh. So, from, from my end, bro, I am 100% confident in your music. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Real, yeah. You oh, got the endorsement man. of all of us here. Thank you. Let's start the podcast off by saying that I legitimately have a short list of people from the dojo that I think are going to make it, and you're on that list. So thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're. I mean, yeah, you're. You're on that. All three of you guys are on that for me as well. Hey. You don't have to say that, bro. No, for real. No, like that's no, for real. I mean, it's. I'm it's, just teasing. It's, it's a real thing. A and there's. Like, I remember when I first like joined the dojo, I like. Well, because I was a student first, and I think all three of you were senseis before I became a sensei. I think I was one of the last senseis to to join. And I'm like, holy crap, all these people are put, putting out music and making quality stuff. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad to be in the same ranks, I guess. Well, as, that's like, why we had to get you on the podcast, because uh, it's the shortlist episode. So Sweet. I love hey. it. <laughs> but yeah, guys, it's been a rough couple, uh, a rough week, I'd say. It's like sometimes, like, the last thing I want to do is open up Ableton and just like, oh, am I going to make something good today? The pressure of that is so real. That is such a thing. Like, yeah, like to jump right into it. I mean, like (laughs) this is this is a real thing that I I struggle with, like all the time. Like I, I know I need to work on music and I want to work on music, but like the stress of opening up a project that I think is already pretty great. Yeah. Like, like I don't want to be in a shitty like mood or like not feel motivated when I'm opening up that project. Cause I want all the moves that I'm going to make to be like really good and like yeah. in a good final product. Yeah. And then I'll end up opening something that I like don't really care about and fucking with it and just like leaving after like an hour be like, I just wasted all my time. That's what yeah. What am I no, doing? for real. <laughs> Earlier this week I was uh, mixing down a track and I think I'd said, uh, yeah, I dropped it for feedback in your section trap. Jesus. And I sent it, I sent it over to you as well, Rip Kenny. Um, but yeah, I, I was mixing it down. And then after I mastered it, I listened to it in the car and I had destroyed the mix. It got so much worse. I listened to the pre-mastered, like the sort of almost pre-mix. I'm like, why does this sound better than my mastered version? Um, and like the vocal sounds so much more clear. And I started questioning like, man, I suck at this. It's just one of those like internal battles that you deal with all the time where you're like, Oh, I thought I knew what I was doing, but maybe I don't. <laughs> have you, have you tried that uh, Skrillex template yet? Uh, Skrillex put out the moon by power video where he broke down his session. And then Ahi went through and really like broke down exactly what all his busing was doing and all his limiting on each bus and how it all summed together. And then Ill Gates did a weekly download where he, 
built one of those for us in the dojo. So if y'all join the dojo, join the weekly download, you'll get that. Uh, you'll get that template and the 2020 song templates built out of that. But it's super useful. Back to the, yeah. Back to, yeah, I yeah, I've been using it a little bit. G Clip hasn't really messing with my computer though. Like whenever I open, really? yeah, whenever I open G Clip, my frame rate in my uh, Ableton goes to like unworkable slow. So. Mm. I don't know why that's been the case. I was looking it up online and stuff too, but I, I use it mostly for the, uh, the side chain busting. Cause I think that's really useful. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, like mostly for organization, it's useful for me, but G clip, I can do you yeah. got a smexoscope. Yeah, I have that too. Word. Cause you could just like, I find the main benefit of G clip is like the, the visuals in it. Cause mm-hmm. you can like exactly clip off like any extremities. So you could just use smexoscope and like, saturator or something for the same effect. yeah yeah that's right that's my usual go-to um in terms for soft clipping and stuff but the stuff that i've been making too is like uh tends to be much more like pad and like melodic stuff and i've noticed that the clipping it works for aggressive music like skrillex music where it's like the the saturation the clipping makes your basses sound better um but i've heard sometimes on my like nice pads or whatever the clip is really audible in a bad way because it doesn't add to the sound sometimes when i try to like soft clip the the peaks and stuff and sometimes if my pad is Word. being clipped too much then the pad gets those nice like or not nice but like the chunks of sound in there yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it, you could hear it clipping in a bad way so that's been one thing i've been wary of because some of my music is softer and you can there's not like hard transients and sometimes the clipping you can hear it um on it that's weird that's the one thing i liked about g clip is how transparent it is Mm. in my opinion but i just use it to clip off any extremities like i won't really use it to sausage a sound it's more Mm. like if you got crazy peaks i built my own version of it in reason using all the same types of routing and actually like i i had a similar issue with g clip i did not like the sound it, mm. it had, so I used one of the limiters I use in my mastering process instead that has, like, this nice tube saturation sound. And I use it the exact mm. same way that they use G-Clip in the video. And I just really like my my one I bought instead of that free one, personally, too. Right. And I've also noticed what, what you're saying, Sixth Street, is that when you're making softer music pushing into those limiters as if it were a dubstep song does not work the same. Mm-hmm. And yeah. similarly, sometimes I have to take my instrument bus, you know, the basic chain in there and take it out of the, out of the uh, comp bus where the side chaining is happening. Cause like, if I'm making mm. a, if I'm making like a trap song or a dubstep song or a glitch hop song, I love having my fat kick and snare duck out my instruments. But if I'm making like an R&B track or something mm. vibey and atmospheric, I've noticed like all oh, my atmosphere, I can hear it dip. Yep, yep. It's like, nope, those those aren't even strong enough elements to need a side chain on them because they're already not interfering with what my snare is doing. Yeah, that's right. Right. Oh, you, you, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, figuring out not to sidechain for, like, R&B or hip-hop was, like, the biggest thing. Yeah. No, yeah. for sure. I feel like the uh, with um, the verses, typically my verses, where the drums are sort of, like, riding in the track, I'm not necessarily ducking all my uh, melodic elements out of the way, but typically the drops, especially, like, future-based drops, when you want the drums really up front, that's when I use the, the comp chain to, to really duck stuff out of the way. Yeah, you know, it goes to show there's there's a learning curve on everything. I I think I brought this up a couple of times, but I met a 25-year veteran 
uh, engineer in Atlanta. And he was like, yeah, every three months I can, I can look back and be like, oh yeah, that makes us pretty trash. I can do way better now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, everybody gets better. And so for everybody out there listening, like, damn, how am I ever, when am I going to get good at mixing? It's like every day that you do it a little better. And some of those days are going to assume you suck because now you understand what you didn't understand last month. Yep. Yeah. That's absolutely right. I feel that. And man, speaking of which, uh, one of the, one of the students at the dojo, I I saw on social media posts that, you know, they felt like, you know, they haven't been inspired in a while and they're like really tripping and feeling like they've already made their best music and, and that they're never going to top it and, you know, feeling really down. And I had to reply like, yeah, dude, I've been there, dude. I had that feeling like 15 years ago this one time feeling like I had already written my best songs ever and I was never going to top them shits just because I was a little slump but that's just the wave it just goes up and down we're going to feel like we're dope because we did something we're going to feel like we suck and it's just that ego game fucking with us it's humbling too it goes back to like the first point that Richie brought up is like as you get better your bar for yourself increases and your stress level on like knowing like that bar and feeling like you have to hit that bar or exceed that bar every time you write music is like toxic. Like yeah. kind of circling back to the, 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 uh, the fix to that problem. You just got to sit down and write music without expectations. Like you are, you have the skills you've done that already You've built skills since then. To assume that that was a fluke is is just a complete negative thought that is not beneficial to your writing process at all in any fashion. And also, like what I was talking about before, the I have to be in a good mindset to sit down and work on this song. Like that shit is also a fallacy. Like especially like mixing a record. Like I'll stress out like. Uh, I don't want to mix this record right now because like I gotta like I'm just making the final tweaks and it's got to be perfect like no dude just just work on it and then iterate if like something's not perfect you probably made four good changes and maybe one bad one and go back and fix that bad one but if you keep telling yourself that like oh now's not the perfect time which by the way I do all the time like I'm telling you guys advice that I fuck up But like you, you gotta just like work through that. Like, and and the same for me. Like motivation wise, like Rich, like I find myself in in moods like that. You know, like once in a while for sure. I mean, I I don't know. Sometimes more often than not. But what I find is that like if I can just get my stupid monkey human to start working at all on the thing that I want to work on, yeah. we'll figure itself out, dude. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm tired. I'm so unmotivated. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, uh, and then there's like one email that like pops up in your inbox and you're like sitting there at your computer, like, Oh, I don't want to do anything. There's like, <laughs> there's like one thing that you actually have to do. You're like, Oh, fuck. Yeah. No, we got to do not to cut you off. We got to be each other's secretaries. Cause Last time we were talking, it's so much easier to do other people's shit than your own. Like, I feel that so hard, man. Like, that one email, you'll let that shit sit for, like, four hours. Oh, my God. All you had to write is, like, all right, see you Friday. Or, like, whatever, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, For me, me, I got 60 in my inbox right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, for real. Sometimes those emails for me, like, I... 
I'm, I'm the kind of guy who needs to like muster up the emotional energy to reply correctly to an email. So I totally see that like pushing it off an hour is like just procrastinating because I need to like get the, the right emotions in, in mind before typing out that email, you know? Yeah. It's not that big but, of a deal at all, but no. you make it a big deal. <laughs> yeah. But like when you go to act, when so like you're sitting there, you're unmotivated, you're like, fuck, I don't want to do anything. And you do like one thing one thing that took like a tiny bit of attention and then all of a sudden you're like i can't do anything mindset has flown out the window and you're like oh okay let me just move on to this next thing yeah like, just have to get started at all on what you're yeah. working on. and That's that really resistance cool. to actually doing that it's it's a mountain you gotta climb sometimes but i've i've never found a situation in which i've pushed myself to actually just start working on something like continued to be feeling that way you know at least in some form or fashion that resistance has 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 dissipated a little bit and you can start making progress on whatever it is instead of sitting there like a slug yeah yeah definitely if we we let inertia the fact that we're not moving dictate the fact that we're not gonna move then that's a self-fulfilling prophecy but as soon as you're like okay I'm going to, I'm going to get the ball rolling. Now the ball's rolling. Now you just got to keep the ball rolling as opposed to keeping the ball sitting still. You know, it's like, just start, start anything, you know, like that's why checklists are such a big motivator for me personally. Like sometimes I will have a checklist written of things that are like, Oh man, those seem like a whole big task. And then I'll like write something easy on the checklist just so I can have the actual mental satisfaction of checking something crossing it out. Yeah. I totally feel that. (laughs) Or even, even this something I just already did that wasn't on my checklist that didn't even need to be on my checklist. Like (laughs) eat breakfast, check. Done. Rock it. it. (laughs) That's actually major key though, bro. It's like those little mind hacks go a really long way. I find too, when your life is falling apart, you probably just haven't made your bed in a while. And if you just make your bed, like everything else starts to roll into place. Real talk. It's funny that making making the bed example is actually one that I fought for so long and can still continue to fight. Like my my (laughs) yo, the last one out of bed has to make the bed. And so like actually, A, that's a good reason for me to get out of bed first. But B, I'm like, we're gonna fucking get in it later again anyways. Why do we have totally that way? And she's like, nah, you gotta set yourself up for success for the day. And that actually is hilarious because she's the type of person that like doesn't get hung up she doesn't have like resistance to action like i find myself having mm-hmm. and i think it's the little things like that like making the bed like oh i don't want to do that it's pointless like just get yourself to do it regardless so that like now you're in the mindset of like oh there's things i have to do then mm-hmm. no i'll put everything off because it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah i've never had an emotional attachment to uh making my bed because i've also heard that one a lot too right but for me, my bed is never, never made. My entire life, I don't think I've ever done my bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I always do it. I'm just saying when my life's falling apart, that's one thing that I can do that'll set everything. If, if that's life's fair. good, yeah. bro, fuck it. Yeah, I totally feel <laughs> that. I think for me, the big thing is the gym. If I'm able to get myself to the gym in the morning, that's like my making my bed. If I can like bust my ass at the gym first thing in the morning, that's like one of the biggest forms of physical resistance and if i if i can overcome that and i know that's for me my mind's like hell yeah like you're doing awesome today keep on going right exactly um and ever since quarantine and not be able to go to the gym i think i've actually seen a big dip in my productivity because i'm like my my 
work life, which is in my living room, and then my personal life, I guess, which is my sleeping bedroom. It's like the lines are totally blurred. And it's been harder for me to like get that ball rolling because normally it's just go to the gym, bust my ass, come home and work, you know? Mm -hmm. That's why like little, little hot, like at least particularly in the going to the gym example, like I I encountered the same resistance, like, man, like I know how much, like when I go to work out, like I never, like I tell myself I'm going to take it easy and then I never do. So then in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, you're going to kill yourself. Like this is, (laughs) this is going to be hard. So what I did was I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I like have pre-workout or something that like is a prerequisite to working out that takes Mm -hmm. no, like, like if I drink the pre-workout drink and I'm all jacked up, (laughs) <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, not going to go to the gym. Right. Like you'd feel like such an idiot sitting there, like sweating, wired, sweating, <laughs> like I'm gonna lift my mouse and my keyboard and shit. No, you're going to go to the gym. Right. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta hack your own brain like that. Like Tesco said. Yeah. Totally. I feel like the whole, the whole thing with being a musician is that since you are your own boss, it's so easy to bullshit ourselves into mm-hmm. like taking the shortcut or like not doing the work because it's so easy to be just accountable to ourselves and therefore let ourselves go. Um, and like the only person that really suffers at the end of the day, it's not like we have employees underneath us. We are our own employee. Um, the only person that really suffers is us in our own music career. So the mind hack thing and motivation thing is like more than half of the battle. I feel like as a musician, mm-hmm. I feel too, if you can frame it in some way where you're as if you're doing it for somebody else or as if somebody else is effective that like snaps you right into work mode. Hmm. What do you like mean whenever, that? like whenever it's just for you, like we have internal resistance to do our own shit. Like Evan, when we were promoting your track and like looking for emails and stuff, when would I have ever done that for myself? Never. No. Probably in like two years. I, that's but I, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I've been saying I will for two years yeah. and I'll probably do it in another two years, yeah. but it's like, Oh, promote the boys track. Yeah, let's do it. Like right away. That's the only time that I've done that too. <laughs> <laughs> Literally only when I sat down. It was the only time I've collected emails for YouTube channels. Totally. Saying I'm going to do for fucking ever. I feel like at work too, I could have the most unproductive day. Like I do web dev stuff. I could have the most unproductive day, really not be feeling it. And then like somebody comes to ask me for help and I just like snap into work mode. It's like, yep, bam, done in like half an hour. It's like, man, I've been sitting here for four hours, like <laughs> slugging my way through my own problem. Yeah. I just solved this shit real quick. Yeah. There's something about like having other people like get your ass in line, you know, like prior to this phone call, I was slugging my day away, you know, and I was just like, fuck, like this is a rough day. Like Richard get into Ableton, like this whole mental battle and stuff. And like immediately after hopping into a call with you guys or whenever it's like, oh, I have to t- jump into a Twitch stream you're accountable to other people and it just, you don't have time to think about how sluggish you feel. You just have to turn it on. Um, totally. Yeah, literally, that's why this podcast exists. It wasn't even supposed <laughs> to be a podcast. Literally, it was like, like Rip Kenny and Tesco started doing accountability calls so they could like tell each other what their goals were and follow up next week. Yeah. And then I got invited in and then it was like, damn, like we're saying so many cool things that other people would like could be helped by it's helping each other. We can help other people. Let's just record these and put them out in the world. 
And so accountability, and now all of a sudden we've got this whole podcast thing going on. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like, I mean, you're doing a lot of different good things in like one package, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we still like half of the time that we're on the call is the podcast and the other half is us like figuring out how to be more accountable to ourselves and each other. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. What's yeah. up? What's up? Go ahead. I was just going to ask you about uh, Twitch, actually. Yeah. You've, you've been it? killing it on that platform lately, eh? It's been, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, I've been on it for over a year now. It's been crazy how fast it's flown by. Totally. So it seems like you're doing like track feedback and the occasional like DJ set sort of thing. Yeah, I did a DJ set in the beginning of my Twitch career a year ago and I had three yeah. viewers and I realized that nobody really wants to see a DJ set from a small artist. <laughs> like the, the incentive for people to co- go into track feedback, track feedback is because there's something in it for them too, right? Totally. Um, so it's a very clear product that they can like receive um and also track track feedback is a two-directional like a relationship where i'm talking to them i'm talking to the chat um whereas dj sets is one directional it's basically a youtube video like it live shows these days are basically youtube videos are just played live with the chat um so the, the power of twitch and live streaming is a conversation and the relationship and i realized that people really liked my feedback and really liked my personality so i i've just uh, kept on doing it since last year it's been pretty crazy how much has grown Totally, man. Yeah, I see you blowing up. So you're keeping it just to the uh, the track feedback sort of thing? Yep, that's right. Currently? Just, yep, just twice a week. What's, um, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, what's the plans moving forward? Do you, Are you keeping it in that vein or are you planning on like adding anything new? Um, I think if I were to evolve it, it would probably involve some sort of like, it would involve music. So either like sample beat battles with like different viewers or mm. it could be production sessions Production sessions are pretty one directional too, because it's kind of me working and not right. really focusing on the chat. Um, whereas like beat battles is totally a show. Like it's an entertaining thing for the viewer. So I think it's much more engaging mm-hmm. that way. Um, for me, it's one building block inside of the whole six street social media strategy, if you will. If there's not really a strategy, it's just like this is a part of my building block that's working. So I'm gonna keep on pushing that um, angle. And of course, my music is my main stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. ideally if I had unlimited time, like I'd be creating content for YouTube, creating content for TikTok, creating content for Instagram and like Twitch, I guess as well. Hey, um, you and Liz though, have been doing pretty good on TikTok though. Yeah. We, we, the had choreography. One, we had one viral video. She actually took it over as her own personal page. <laughs> Cause I, I, by the end of last year, this is one problem I ran into is that like, I was thinking about the side content so much more than I was thinking about improving as producer. Mm. And I was like looking at my music critically and I'm like, Richard, you're not at the point where like your music is at the, at the point of like the people I look up to, you know, um, like my music doesn't quite sound like this artist or that artist yet. If I'm not there yet, then the site content doesn't really matter that much for me personally, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the side content with other platforms is like even more, like that's how you sell your music, but is do content that's not your music. So I think it's just as important as your music. Um, but for me, I wanted to focus this year on just writing a lot more and becoming a better producer. Yeah, build the, build the product that people are going to eventually find through all of the side content that you're eventually going to do. 
Yeah. Because yeah. really in this days, you know, this day and age, like you can't really do one with the, without the other, like music. Great. But I heard from a, you know, an old CSAC rep who said, you know, these days music sells everything in the world except for music. Yeah. And I think everything else uh, sells music. Yeah. I think uh, you need everything else to sell your music besides for your music. Like yeah. you need a music video. You need to be like somewhat like entertaining on YouTube for anyone to even care about your music in the first place. Yeah, um, you've got to have some sort of content. Like you said, with the Twitch stream, when it was all about you that first time out, it was like, all right, there's no there's no incentive for other people to show up. But when you're like, all right, what can I do that will benefit other people that, you know, indirectly builds your brand because all of these people keep coming back to show up to do what to do what you're doing. Yep. to be yep. there while you're doing it and get to know you and like you and trust you as a person and an artist and a brand. And then you keep dropping music and you've got all these people that are now paying attention yeah. because they like you because you gave them something valuable. Yeah. And for the first time, I think since I started streaming uh, on Twitch a year ago, I felt like there were people who cared about, they, they saw me as an artist and as a, as a, Yeah as an artist, which is different than like your friends and family. Cause my friends and family are never fans. Like they, they will always see me as a friend and family and Richard before I am a musician, but the people on Twitch, they simply know me from my personality and know me as an artist first. And for the first time I can post stuff and people are like, Oh, I'm so stoked for your music. And I had never had that um, prior to having some sort of like Twitch presence, you know? Um, and that's one thing that's really working for me. So I'm like, I'm continuing to push that. And I've like developed a workflow where I don't have to think anything. I can just show up, turn on my computer and like I have all the templates ready to go. So it's no energy to, to get started anymore. Um, I just think there are a lot of other angles that I want to be making content. You know, like I think YouTube is super powerful. TikTok is insane right now, but I just don't have the mental energy to, to think about this. I content it's, I want to, but I can't. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned a trap. I think so many independent artists fall into is like attempting to convert their friends and family into their fans and supporters when it's like, that is not their job. Most of them don't even like whatever kind of music we make. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like my mom loves me and she will support whatever I do. She'll like any Facebook page I ask her for, but it doesn't matter in the long run because she's not the demographic that really wants to go listen to bass music. Yeah. Yeah. She's a 60 some year old lady who, you know, barely listens to music. If yep. I'm being honest, you know, it's yep. like she loves, she loves the stuff she fell in love with in the seventies. And that's, that's mostly it. Yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Don't be that guy that's posting like bitter posts on social media about real friends and not coming to shows. Cause Honestly, and I'm sure you guys can relate at least to some level, I value those friendships more, not more than the fan friend, but it's like harder to cultivate those friendships. And if they're not into your music or whatever, that's cool. You need people that aren't like, that don't like you for your music or whatever. Like yeah. you just connect with people on a different level and it's important to not be overly one dimensional about those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, it's, it's even weird sometimes like playing your music for like your best friends. Cause like your best <laughs> friends hear your music all the time. And like, for me, like now I can't even tell, like, is it, 
are they annoyed by this or do they want to do it? Like, <laughs> I swear to God, like I have no fucking idea. Like sometimes they'll come over and be like, dude, let me listen to all the new stuff you're working on. I'm like, okay, sick. Like they actually do want to hear this. And then other times we'll be like playing like Catan or something. And I'll be like, oh yeah, I just finished this other thing. Like, let me throw it on. And everyone's like, mm, sure. Okay. <laughs> And then they're like listening to it, like, and they like literally couldn't fucking care less. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine so demoralizing to be like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I, I had, I just, I, I have no idea. And the, yeah. the thing is, like, it doesn't really matter, but like, I, I like having that reference point for friends that know my music and can give me feedback on it. But I also don't want to just like cram it down their throats and be like, listen to this shit and tell me it's good. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. But like, I still want to play it for them because they're my friends. So it's like, how do you even, it's such yeah. a like concept, you know? I feel like you got to be careful when you see the vision to not, to not show people this incomplete view of the vision. Yeah. Because their opinions might sway you, and they didn't see that vision as you saw it. It came to you in a very specific way, and so if you get like like a meh or whatever, yeah. it's like that can be totally demoralizing. Like you said, Richie. Like, do you prefer Richie or Richard? By the way, either's fine. For uh, for a while, like Richie was the thing I was uh, pushing as like my dance. Well, it was sort of like my dance alias. Mm-hmm. Um, but Richard and Richie are both fine. What do your mind. friends call you? Or- uh, I mean, Liz calls me Richard. <laughs> Whatever you're more comfortable with, honestly. I'm that's, cool with either. I want to ask. What are your friends? <laughs> <laughs> Literally both. I get Richie mostly from the dojo. And, and, and yeah, and Richard from Liz and my other friends. But, yeah, it's literally both. What if Rich, I just the kid? Rich. Rich is cool, too. Richie Rich, actually. I have to say Richie Rich. Richie Rich. Richie Rich. I'm going to change my email, my email ending, my like title at the bottom, Richie Rich. Yeah. EDM.com headline, Sixth Street changes his name legally to Richie Rich. Hell yeah, I like it. We're keeping it. Sixth Street as his DJ name. But his actual government name is now Richie Rich. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. I like it. My middle name is Rich. Richie Rich. (laughs) (laughs) So um, as far as music, like, I know you were saying you hit a bit of a lull recently, but as far as like the bigger picture, kind of where you headed currently, where are your priorities and what's been interesting you lately? Um, So for me, one of the things for me, it's like, I want to... I think I've, I've been feeling a plateau in my skill and like hearing a lot of the music and, uh, that I like want to create and the vibe, whether it's like sound design or mix or anything like that. Like that's sort of where I'm like, I want to get to the point where my music is blowing me away and getting the recognition from like certain labels that I really like a lot, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think a good mark for me. And I know like the label, scene is a lot more than just having quality music it's like connections if you know someone blah 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 but i'm also in the in the uh mindset if your music is so good like labels cannot say no to that you know if your music is stellar to the point where it's just fucking awesome um no matter if you're nobody or not like labels will want to put their name on that and back that up and uh, put it out and i want to know for myself that like my my music is at that level (laughs) so um it's right now it's a lot of it's a lot of like thinking about strategic collaborations um like working up um like finding artists or vocalists that have a bigger following than me um because i trust that i can make great music um but i also 
but wanted to partner with people with a bigger following to sort of combine audiences. And then uh, just getting better at the same time and just making great music and pitching it to labels. And if labels are picking it up, that just means I have to hit square one again, watch for weekly downloads and um, just keep on training, you know? So it's, it's that big cycle right now. Well, as I'm thinking about, like, I have like maybe 10 different songs that I'm working on at one time. Um, and each one, when I finish it up, I ask myself, is this going to be good for the labels right now? If it's not good enough, I have to hit square one and just keep on training. Word. Yeah. You got the right mindset. I got a friend uh, named Delisle. He's an incredible artist. And his motto with his music is if it's not a 10, do it again. Yeah. It's, uh, it's for real. I, I remember uh, listening to something Seth Godin was talking about, like the marketing guy. Um, he was saying that like, once you've kind of find your like 10 super fans who are like into your music, if you send them your track, like those 10 people, um, figuratively 10 people, but you send it to them and they are not sharing it to all their friends. Like it's, it's, it's like not catching a fire with those 10 people. Then the product isn't good enough. The actual music or the product that you're selling to them isn't good enough. Um, so that's been sort of the bar I'm holding for myself right now is like, I'm going to share it with the people that I think are excited about my music. If they're not like pushing it out to the world, then I realize that like maybe, maybe it wasn't catchy enough. You know, maybe it didn't hit hard enough or whatever the reason is. You got to link um, us all up, homie. Sorry? You got to link us all up, homie. We're in that 10 for sure. Yo, you I appreciate that. that shit. <laughs> Yo, thank you. Yeah, that means a lot. Um but yeah, I think it's also just like the the constant struggle to to be a better artist and be a better producer. Um, yeah, like there's some songs I get excited about. Sometimes I mix down some vocals and I'm like, fuck, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> this sounds bad. <laughs> so like that's, that's oh, something yeah. that over the course of the years, I want to be super confident in my ability to like, if I have my hand on a record, I'm going to make it a hit um, because I know that I can do that. Um, so Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy to hear, though, because every time I'm struggling with a vocal, I send it to you and be like, yo, what would you do to this, man? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, even for me, like, I've, I've, I've been proud of some of the vocal mixes I've done in the past, and then some of the vocal mixes I've done recently, I'm like, man, that sounds brittle, that sounds thin, I know what I could do, but why isn't it working this time? Because every vocal is different, you know? Um, so, yeah. 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 Yeah, I've definitely had some some issues where I realize, like, Oh, oh, I'm just like over-processing it. Just let me, here, here, here's what I'll do. Delete every plugin in the chain and listen to the raw vocal again and be like, okay, what's it actually need though? Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. The, not me adding the 13th and 14th plugins in the yes. chain. That was definitely not what it needed. <laughs> let me just delete all of these things and listen to it with fresh ears. And yeah. I think that's one thing that a lot of people get scared of is like starting a mix over. They think, no, I've already done all the work. I got to keep it. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. delete plugins. And, you know, if you want to save that version and save version 2.0 of your session and like, but like, it's such a beautiful thing to just take all the faders back down to negative infinity and bring them back in, in the order of importance. Like Seth Drake talks about, find the nuggets, connect the dots, like, what is the actual core of this song? Let me make that part sound good again and then see where, where I'm at with fresh ears. I think yeah. that's such an important topic. That's, that actually segues perfectly into the one thing that I, I wanted to bring up in discussion today, which is, like you said, deleting everything and starting again. Like I ran into um, a similar issue working, not like the same issue, but basically, okay, so... Actually, Richie, it's on the collab that we were working on. 
So you had like the break and the pre-chorus and then like we were working on coming up with some other drop ideas. And so like I left the entire intro break pre-chorus and I was just trying to come up with a drop idea and like everything I was doing just kind of felt stale. And I was like, fuck man, like what's going on here? I spent like two sessions like trying to come up with a drop idea and it just wasn't working. And I was like, what are we going to do? And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, let me, let me just take the entire, like three vocal groups, copy those over to the right. And then let's just like try and build a similar song or the same song, but just like introducing pieces that I know I like. And then, you know, maybe reimagining some of the pieces with like the midis and coming up with like a different version. And I was like, Oh fuck. Like I thought to like play this other guitar riff for like the break and then layer that in there. And then I, that actually became like the, the main thing for the, the break. And I realized that like, just like having no input uh, or like having everything before what I was working on being one way and getting so used to it mm. trying to come up with a drop. I was just like not coming up with anything good that like working backwards back to bare bones and then introducing pieces as I saw fit, like reimagined the song in my own head for myself. And then when I got like to actually writing a drop idea for that, then it was like, then everything just started flowing. And so like, I think this is also one thing that like most people don't really talk about as far as workflow is working backwards, like being okay with the fact that like what you've done up until this point might be good, but you're going for great. So like strip it back to what you know is great mm. and then, and then try again and see yeah. what you get. And now I'll, I'll play you the song at some point. Uh, it's not mixed yet, but I'm, I'm really quite happy with, with the final result now. Nice. You're working on a second drop or a new drop. Yeah. So I, so I have like a full, a full new song that is like basically the, the, the genesis of like the main, the main themes and ideas and like vibe of the original kind of just like not reimagined, but like just done with more of uh, my stamp, I guess. Yeah. Like the way that it like worked when I like rebuilt it like that, like made way more sense to me. And I think the final product is more cohesive. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely was like difficult to work through that. Like, fuck, like getting over the mental resistance of doing all of that work again. And Mm -hmm. so I like started that process at noon yesterday and I worked on that song until six in the morning to get get a full song. And now, now I have something I'm really proud of, but like, yeah, that's awesome the 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 resistance if i was just like no i just gotta keep plugging away at these different drop ideas like i never would have got there yeah you know i think it's kind of like when you are writing uh a melody or a top line lyrics to a song it's impossible to do that if you already have another vocalist singing because your mind is just hooked on that other main face you know um like for me if i if i'm singing harmonies or trying to find a top line if i create a decent top line I have to mute it, go back to the chords by themselves and then rethink of a new top line that could be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you like are stuck on an old drop idea, the drop ideas already got the face and everything in there. It's almost impossible to rethink or imagine a yeah. new drop because you've already got the face already baked into that drop. Yeah. Um, so going back to the chords, stripping it down and sort of re, like you said, reimagining it is such a great way to develop those new ideas. Yeah. Sample yourself. Beat Kanye. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm getting this picture of like thinking about back in the day how they used to mix. Like they would record everything to these big reel-to-reel tapes and they would just have raw audio on the tapes and then they would run it through like a big mixing board, like an SSL or something and print it to another tape. They would do all the work in one session and print it to another tape and then zero out the board. And they would present that to the label. And if they didn't like that mix, they would start over with the raw files and bring it everything back up one channel at a time Man. and mix it together. I heard they did that like, I don't know the actual number, but like 40, 50 times for the record beat it by Michael Jackson. Mm, to get it and right. they like they kept doing it over and over. The real fucked part though, the mix that they chose was mix number two of 50 <laughs> or whatever the number was. It's like the second one is the one they were like, you know, all that other stuff we did was cool and all, but really we captured the soul of the record on mix two. That's crazy. They couldn't have realized that by mix four either. Yeah, yeah. Like, please, come on. Not 50 mixes. That's crazy. God, I feel so bad about everything we complained about earlier now. I know. I was just thinking, I'm glad I got into music in this day and age because that's way too much work. There's no way I would do that. For real. Yeah, plus we get to work in our living rooms in quarantine. We don't have to go into the studio and have access to somebody else's $10 million setup to work at all. Isn't that crazy that we can, it still blows my mind that we can write professional sounding records if from our laptop. We can render yeah. down a whole thing and send it to labels and stuff and festival ready stuff from our laptops. Like the, the, the barrier to entry is nothing now, which is insane. Yeah. yeah. The new oh, barrier to, to entry is cutting through all the noise of how many records are being made on so many laptops. Yeah. Yeah, I don't right. I don't feel that way anymore though. I used to, but I feel like um obviously there's a lot of subpar stuff being put in and we talked about this a uh, podcast or two ago, but like I think it, uh Evan you brought it up when we were talking about how mixing takes the least amount of time, but idea generation takes the most amount of time now. It's like once you get to a certain point, it's like if you're just writing genre X or genre Y or whatever, then you have some guidelines to follow and everything's pretty straightforward, but you're not really like surprising people so much. And as you break through that and like blend more genres and stuff together, then you're a big fish in a small pond. And it's mm. like, I felt like once I purposely started aiming for how do I write something that is so uniquely me, nobody would even think to mix these things together. Hmm. It was so mentally freeing. I was like, Oh, I'm here. And all these other people are running down this lane, but now this, this lane is totally open. I can skip through this shit. No problem. Yeah. That, that is, that is true. I, I feel like that even just thinking about how to, uh, blend genres and create your own unique product is part of the idea generation too. It's like being smart about what angle you're making, like why you're making your music, you know? Totally. Yeah. I think it is true that every every single person has a unique cross section of taste that is is cannot be replicated by anyone else, right? Mm. Like the, the same kid that has like ninety percent of his taste in dubstep, and then ten percent is like old obscure R and B records or something like that. Like you could you could make a combo of those two that would be interesting, and that probably only that person would care about. Or, or not care about, but be able to do, right? Mm, totally. So, 
like you said, I think it's, I think it's really important that people focus on creating that, that thing that only, only they could make because then you're, you're just reducing your competition on the zero. Mm. Um, the, the point that some people will bring up and, and I actually had this conversation with a student the other day, he was like, you know, after I had talked with him about, you know, finding out what your unique cross-section of taste is, we kind of built a framework for what he likes and, and what he's like really passionate about. And we kind of came up with this triangle of influences for him. And he came back and he's like, I think my cross-section of taste is too specific. And I'm worried that no one will be interested in it. And Perfect. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, that that is exactly where you want to be. You know, the thing is, like, you can try and be like, okay, like, I want to make music that everyone that likes EDM is going to like. Well, unfortunately, unless you're really, really passionate about making basic ass EDM records, it's going to come across as ingenuine. And in today's day and age, more than anything else, people respect someone that is true to themselves, that represents an accurate reflection of them and their taste and their personality. And people connect with that thing way more than your attempt at trying to do the EDM thing, unless you're actually truly genuinely passionate about, you know, making a, a basic EDM record. Um, and so my counter to that point was like, in today's day and age where you can reach such a specific audience with your music, it's almost like you're not, you you have to find your ideal cross-section of taste, the, the music that you could make for the rest of your life and never, ever get tired of. Mm-hmm. The music that like you you want to listen to every day that no one else is making. And then come to terms with, okay, this is my product. This is my genuine representation of me. Now, how do I find a market for that? How do I get it in front of the right people that are going to care? How do I reach all of my thousand true fans with that music? Because you really do have a shot to get lifelong fans with music that is that genuine to you and i think you have no shot if you're just disingenuinely going for the money grab of basic ass shit no one cares about that's that's really uh that's really good to hear that right now because i in my mind too um like part of me like like last year i was talking about doing all this like tiktok stuff and youtube stuff and um think about doing remixes of like memes and stuff like that and to some degree, it is a marketing tool. Like you can do that, like a, a hot meme, make a fun beat out of it, put it out on YouTube, get hundreds of thousands of views and get some eyeballs on your brand. Um, but that's not sustainable in the long run. Um, and it's not true to what I, the music that I want to make at all. It's just literally a marketing tool at that point. So I think that's a good, it's a good word to remind me that like, oh, it's just really about the music that I want to make. And yeah, that's the only thing that's really sustainable. Like what, what meme producer have you seen at a festival? Lil Pump. Is Lil Pump a meme producer? Well, he's a meme. He's not even a producer. No. <laughs> he's a rapper that, like name that made a song oh, that was uh, so catchy Kitcher. that it became a meme. Okay, I literally was going to say the only person that I know that has 
ever crossed over somewhat decently is Mashton Kutcher because he was really early on making like the viral, like sampling the pizza guy. Yeah. yeah. He was super early on that. And the thing that actually transitioned him was that is his exact style of music that he just happened to blend really well with a funny video. That yeah, I, I know one. I don't know if you guys follow Aries. Oh yeah, I, I've, it's a duo. Yeah, not a meme no. producer, dude. I liked Aries music before. I haven't even seen a single meme video from them. The no, 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 not the duo. Aries, he's like a. Uh, I don't even know, like indie hip hop dude. He started on YouTube just doing memes of like, like how how to recreate this song in two minutes, or like if XXX Tentacion Sad was a happy song, or like mm. he flips like that, and they're yeah. just a few minutes long. And now he's released his project, and it's like doing pretty good numbers, and like mm. he's got a pretty decent fan base. Booked a tour off it, like dude's crushing it. Yeah. Um, so that being said, now he doesn't do that anymore. Ex- yeah, true. And the thing is, you have to have the chops to like, after you have people's attention, be like, okay, that was that was that was nice. That was that was cute. Here's the thing you should actually care about, and that thing has to be like we said, genuine to you. I guarantee that 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 Aries project that he presented was like what he wanted to do the whole time. Oh, it was unique. Did a sure. good job getting people's attention, but. You, you ain't going to listen to someone's SpongeBob I mean, SquarePants trap flip. Talk to Ramzoid about that. He just popped into my mind, too. At a festival. Ramzoid's killing it. He went on tour with, like, Grammatic, and he's doing his own, like, really cool, unique blend of shit. And he was doing, like, exactly, like, remixing SpongeBob and shit like that. Like, he's killing it now. And I feel like his music is also more in that vein of like entertainment, like go hard. It's like his original shit is, is, is like proper. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I was thinking about in my case for more melodic producers, I don't see too many melodic producers that are doing that because most of the time they flip like a SpongeBob sample to a trap banger mm. and that that'll get clicks. But then if people are like following six street on YouTube for my meme trap bangers, it's a harder jump to get them to convert to like my more melodic future basic stuff you know whereas like ramzoid and like moon boy and stuff like that um they have big youtube followings but their music sort of reflects the sort of memeable hardcore like let's just have a good time sort of vibe it's a less of a barrier to like switch over to be like oh he's also a dubstep producer or whatever that is you know yeah that's That's a really that's a really good point like i'm checking out this book right now called the 4d songwriter which is all about i I bought it too too. yeah (laughs) yeah. three dollars that guy is insane that is such a good deal it's a good book too yeah it's a really good book i'm on my second listen to the audiobook right now and he talks about like sit down listen to your music and like write out all of the imagery the colors the vibes the places you're transported to in your mind write that all down, fill up a few pages, and then go through that and decide what from that is really the core branding image that you want to push. And so then any ancillary content that you make that points back to your brand and eventually to your music, does it fit that core representation? So if Mm. you're making really emotional, you know, sincere music that hits all the feels doing goofy meme shit doesn't point back to that. Where if you're it like, almost hurts your brand. hey, no. let's all take some drugs and be goofy music, 
let's also make some goofy meme stuff that you can laugh at while on drugs because they you know it's, it's only one branch over on the music tree yes. as opposed to like the, off the next tree over yeah 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 and it almost hurts your brand um and it could alienate people if people are like oh six street is like a a memeable yeah. festival trap banger producer and then all of a sudden <laughs> thing like yeah it's like oh he's doing that for attention rather than so okay here's what you do you take the spongebob theme song and you reharmonize. I was thinking about that too. <laughs> into a bunch of dreamy ass pads, a bunch of MIDI packs that have twenty notes tall, like I know you like to do. And, I love my chords. And, yeah, and make it a SpongeBob synthwave future pop action. Yeah, I was thinking about something like that, actually, because I was thinking about what's on brand that people could get a taste of my music, especially on TikTok. If you're able to, I was thinking about taking like some of their big creators um, and taking their little voice bites and then making a little bit of like a beautiful song out of it um, to try to make a viral video there because it's more on brand. It's all marketing stuff that's like floating around in my head that I probably won't ever do. But I've been considering that, too. Versus making yeah. dubstep bangers because that's, that's totally cool. yeah. <laughs> do you know? Uh, do you know? I think her name's Jana G V N A. Yeah, yeah. She did that Maple Story remix, like yeah. the future bass version that blew up, but that yeah. got her name out there pretty good. That's yeah. like, that's a good one too, because I feel like there's the nostalgia factor of that one. It's not just yes. like a a meme meme. Um, last year I did uh, the Kingdom Hearts remix, which is sort of right. like, yeah, sort of uh, off that as well as like people who are into nostalgia and feels and video games. That's sort of the same slice of the pie that I'm going for. Um, this year I did like a League of Legends. That was more of a like a down tempo, sort of mid tempo like track. It was different, but um, yeah, I think that's definitely a good way to go about it is to find like uh, like video games or um, remix artists that you really like that are in the same genre as you. So yeah, I have yeah. this I have this EP in the works that is literally just remixes of like teenage angst emo tracks. Yeah. Like My Chemical Romance, Helena, Lincoln Park, Somewhere I Belong, uh uh Evanescence, Bring Me to Life, Corn, yeah. Horn, Freak on a Leash, and then System of a Down, BYOB. Yeah. Uh, you got to show us that after, bro. That's going to be, yeah. That's going to get you a lot of clicks, dude, because people well, are like. The fucking thing is, where do I put that? This those, those YouTube no, channels no, no, that we were talking dude, about. I've literally uploaded the Linkin Park remix to private on SoundCloud so I could send it to someone to listen to. And SoundCloud's like, no, this is owned by someone else. Fuck off. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Like, where the fuck do I even. That's why that, like, actually kind of took the wind out of the sails on that. I was oh, because like, I, I thought. YouTube, the cool thing oh, yeah. about YouTube, YouTube, like, uh, for example, man, like, uh, the bounce gang pull up that we're doing where people get to play a lot of the songs people play, especially when it's like the placement round, like, Oh, this one's out. YouTube copyright IDs them right away when you're know, right after the live streams over and is like, Hey, you can't monetize this. We're going to put ads on this and monetize this for the people whose copyright that actually is. But they don't take it down. They don't give yeah. you a strike. It's not like, you know, they don't hate on you for it. It's not like you're stealing somebody else's TV show and just putting it on, you know, it's like they, they like, they, YouTube does it right. So I think YouTube's going to be the wave for you on that one, man. I, yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. I did, yeah. I did not understand that. That is fucking brilliant. And you, you do your own visuals and stuff too. <laughs> That's even better than SoundCloud. Ooh. 
Fire reignited. Let's go. That's, that's gonna get done, man. Yeah, and, it's, like and YouTube's not dying right now, so YouTube is never going to die. My YouTube channel has three subscribers. I just started it like a week ago. So Adam, please, boy. please yeah. subscribe. Anyone slash listening Kenny. to this slash Rip Kenny? Slash Rip Kenny music. I'm, I'm gonna go subscribe right now. Yeah, if you're watching, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, uh, go to our channel at the Human Music Podcast and Rip Kenny, Tesco, and myself's channels are all right there for you to check out as well. Do, do yourself a favor, follow Sixth Street, and check him out on Twitch too, because the men's is hot. <laughs> Thanks, appreciate it. That song "Men's Not Hot" doesn't apply to Sixth Street or his music. That shit is hot, son. You guys are the best. Appreciate y'all. I like it.